Left and right. There we go. Okay. Week number seven. This is why I always do it. Say it as a refresher. It's not for you. It's for this. Week number seven, we're looking at incorrect discipline. Ephesians 6, 4. How many of you have a time or you can remember a time in your life when it clicked for you and you're like, oh, you hit an age or a life circumstance where you're like, oh, that's what that Bible verse means. It just kind of like comes alive to you all of a sudden, right? Uh, after marriage or after whatever. Um, two weeks ago, I looked at my wife and I said, now I understand the verse about fathers provoke not your children uh, to wrath. Provoke uh, would mean, and I think that maybe this is, since the Bible said it probably is something that is, is only or mostly to guys, but provoke would be to deliberately make someone annoyed or anger or incite them. I have, this, this, this is me. So I have a trouble. Uh, if I know that something's annoying someone, I just want to, to push that button. It's my wicked flesh. So I've got to back off of that, right? And uh, some of you are like, yeah, it's my husband. Don't, don't say it out loud. Uh, but uh, this verse came alive to me. Look at my wife and I said, that's the moment this, this verse came alive to me. Uh, the boys were doing something and I needed them to do something else. And they got annoyed with something and I wanted to just push it down. And I, and I had to stop myself and be humbled about it. And I've had to do that 20 times in the last two weeks. Uh, but whenever this verse comes alive for you, I think it's a great verse for us to learn and for us to grab. So we're going to look at a couple of things here in incorrect discipline. And really, basically, it's the difference between reactionary discipline and training and teaching discipline, which always wins out in the end. And so let's look at a couple of things in regards to this. The first thing we're going to look at as you look at your uh, letter right there at number one, that's why you're looking back at the screen, uh, is I'll give this to you and put it up there. Repeating uh, instruction and making threats. Repeating instruction and making threats. This, these are all, all the things that we're going to say are negative things that you don't want to do. If you're thinking like, wait, I'm supposed to make threats. No, we're not supposed to make threats. And so repeated instructions or making threats are very, very, very fruitless. Let's look at it this way. Uh, A right there. As we continue, um, conditioning children. Here's what will happen. It conditions. Uh, what's going on here? Sorry. Okay, never give instructions, write this down, more than once. I'll try to figure out what's going on here. Never give instructions more than once. All right. Um, if you can imagine this, if a boss, obviously, if a boss had to keep giving you warnings and saying, hey, this again and again and again and again, obviously it wouldn't go very well. They would just end up firing you. So a good rule, I think, in parenting is this. If you're not preparing, if you're incorrectly preparing your kids for the way things are in the real world, then obviously you're doing them a disservice for the future. Here's what I mean. Um, there's a, a kid, I tease him at school uh, quite often, uh, that uh, he gets lunch brought to him every single day. Uh, delivered to him uh, every single day, purchased from some other place, from like Panda Express or Hire or whatever else. Okay, so Jennifer knows, but but we're not going to say who, right? So uh, it, the only thing, the reason I keep teasing is because here's the deal. If he goes all the way through his high school years getting lunch brought to him every day at about nine bucks a lunch, okay, then when he gets out into the real world, now he's working a job and all those other things, every single day he's going to do what? Go out, go out to eat, right? So you're setting up, he's getting set up to fail because reality probably shouldn't sustain that through his college years and what, or just ever. And that's why he would pack a lunch. And so, and that's a small example, but if we're, if we're training kids that I'm, I'm going to tell you 10 times, and then in the ninth time, you're going to start moving. That's not in the real world. If a boss has to tell you 10 times, they're just going to what? Fire you. Right. And so now this person's without a job, uh, but they kind of got incorrect 
assumptions of what the real world will be. Does that make sense? All right, let's keep going on with this then. Um, I'm not gonna be able to take very many today just because of how slammed we are for time. Um, here's a popular popular physical science that, that uh, your kids finally know that you mean business. Uh, you raise your hand in a threatening manner. Uh-oh, that's a bad one right there. Uh, your voice gets harsh and you use their middle name. Uh, you clench your jaw and pronounce your words really, really slowly and precisely. Ever been there before? Uh, your voice gets so shrill that you can shatter glass, right? Uh, your face reaches a familiar shade of red. That vein in your neck begins to pulsate. Or maybe in your forehead. My wife has one in her forehead right here if she ever gets mad. Uh, that it can come out. Uh, you fly into a rage and begin screaming all of these things. And so uh, those things obviously are never very good. However, if we have to repeat and repeat and repeat ourselves, then obviously we're going to get to a frustrated uh, situation pretty quickly right there. B, conditioning children to respond to harshness. Conditioning children to respond to harshness. And I think I'm now back with my slides here. Sorry about that for the next one. Um, you condition children to respond to harshness. Basically, here, here's what it comes down to. Proverbs 15 one says this, a soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. If you condition them to only listen to you, when you get to an angry or harsh or curt, rude state, they're only going to respond when you get to that level. Does that make sense? So you'll say something, but you're down here and they'll go, oh, that's just a warning shot, right? Then, hey, come on now. We got to get going. Eh. They're halfway there. The kids know. And they pick up so quickly, right? Mm -hmm. They pick up so, so, so quickly. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'll go on with this. Next, uh, see right here, repeated instructions. Repeated instructions are warnings. Repeated instructions are warnings. So if you'd said things like, you know, I've told you a hundred times. How many times do I have to tell you? I'm not going to tell you again. All of those things. And here's what it says in Proverbs 21 or 27, 15. We, we usually associate this uh, between uh, spouses, but I think that it has um, truth anywhere. A continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. But what it's saying is if you have to continually repeat, repeat, or repeat, 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 that's a, both annoying to you and also to them as well. But if they are this way, then you have sort of taught them to be this way. Uh, there's a guy by the name of uh, Jordan Peterson recently wrote a book, uh, 12 Rules uh, for Life. And uh, he's from Canada, but he talks a lot about interpersonal relationships, things like that, because he's a psychologist. One of the things that he says that's really funny is, is he says, don't, don't raise a kid or don't make a kid, uh, don't raise a kid to be someone that you don't like. And what he says is really true. He says that a lot of parents love their kids, but they don't really like their kids because they've trained their kids to be someone that they don't like and that other people won't like. So they train their kid. Maybe you allow your kids or we allow our kids to be selfish. Okay, they get into the first grade, second grade or whatever else. No one wants to play with them. No one wants to hang out with them. We see this all the time in school, right? So even, even kids know to not hang out with the mean kid or the selfish kid or whatever else. And so they, they go through school there, not making friends or, you know, I'm, I'm bullied all the time or whatever else. And some of that's true and some of that's just they really brought it on themselves by their personality. But they've been trained to be that way. And so sometimes we're teaching our kids to be people that we don't even like them uh, to be. Um, next here, let's see if this will ever mm -hmm. come into uh, line here. Um, and this is B. 
Oh, I thought this was kind of funny. Uh, talking about repeated instructions or warnings. Uh, me talking to my kids. I'm not going to tell you again. The narrator says she did, in fact, tell them again. And that is really, really true. Uh, that we'll say one thing, uh, but our kids know how it actually might play out. Next up right here uh, is, I like when stuff comes on Facebook and good timing there. Next thing we don't want to do is uh, we don't want to uh, bribe for obedience. We don't want to bribe for obedience. Now, I thought this was a great, and again, I stole this. This is not original to me. But look at the definition here between a bribing and a reward, okay? And basically, it's, it's foreknowledge that separates the two. So bribing is are given to motivate behavior, which should be mandatory. Ouch. It is an effort by one without power to buy the favor from the one with power. Okay, so it puts you in the passenger seat as a parent. And it's funny, how many of you have ever been walking through Walmart or the Walt Mall or another place and saw a family on display where the parent is clearly, they're probably not even in the passenger seat. Like they're out of the car trying to catch up to the car that is being driven by the child. You ever seen that before, right? Okay, so you never wanna be in that position. And it's amazing how quickly kids can hop into the driver's seat. Uh, six, seven, eight, they've already got their parents well-groomed and well-trained, right? And they don't have to repeat themselves. Their parents know already. And so they're very, very well-trained there. And so we don't want to bribe for obedience. And so here's, here's a better thing. Rewards. Rewards are typically given to reinforce learned skills, good habits, or to give encouragement for the accomplishment of a non-moral task. In other words, if you're having to say, look, I'll give you this. If you will just simply please do this. It's probably a good indicator uh, that you're not in control in the training aspect and that they have switched roles with you. And so that would be something that you want to try to uh, get back from them. Next up, bribing tells your children. Here's just a couple of things along bribing here. Tells your children that your word, your word is insufficient motivation to obey. Wow, that's so true, right? That your word is insufficient motivation to obey. One of the things that uh, kids sometimes will say is, well, you know, hey, I need you to do this. And they'll say, well, what do I get if I do that? Um, and then obviously, you know, okay, well, now we're into the bribing stage. You shouldn't have to get anything uh, to do things that are, are normal and mandatory, right? Also, again, it's setting up a bad precedent. Um, they're not going to get acknowledged for everything that they do in life or in the quote-unquote real world. And so that would be a problem, obviously. Uh, next up here, bribing tells your children that they are in charge and you are not. Again, if you think of a hostage situation, okay? That's what sometimes this is, right? If you're the one making a bribe, yeah, I'll get you a pizza. Yeah, I'll get you a helicopter out of here. Yeah, you want amnesty? That's great. No, no punishments for the next two months. If you have to do that, uh, you're the negotiator and, and they are taking hostages and you're, and you're having to bow to those uh, demands here. Next up, bribing tells your children that you are at their mercy. You're at their mercy. Obviously, they're the ones making the demands, okay? Next up, bribing tells your children that you are not worthy of their respect. Wow, and so this is, this is the good one right here, okay? Obviously, it should come down to the fact that they, they will do what you say and they'll respect you because you're the authority that God has placed in their life. Now, you are not, you did not place yourself in that role. God placed you in that role, right? God made you the parent here. And that authority that you have comes from God and from his word. So do not feel bad in saying, hey, look, I'm the parent here, right? And I, I've, me and God, we're on the same page here, all right? And this is what needs to happen in this household. Do not feel bad for a second doing that because the Bible says that husbands 
and, and our fathers and mothers are to take that role and to children, they are to uh, obey their parents in the Lord for this is right. Uh, next up here, allowing, allowing excuses, allowing excuses. Parents who allow excuses for disobedience permit their children to avoid the consequences. Now, obviously there are some excuses that are valid. Um, but typically, and, and again, when you have a school, you see so many things played out. Uh, but, but I remember being a teacher and parents always say, oh, well, you know, they couldn't do their homework because, you, know, you know, we just had a, a late night last night. Or, you know, we, well, you know, we were at church or, you know, we were. And I was like, yeah, I know, I was, I was there too. Uh, you know, all of these other things. And so um, sometimes it's not even the kids who are, who are making the excuses. Uh, the parents are pretty quick in subverting uh, to make that uh, excuse. Now, let me let me say something that will be that will be highly un, or probably unpopular. Okay, but let's say that your let's say that your child got in trouble for something that they should not have gotten trouble for. Okay, they were uh, judged inappropriately on this, right? Okay, or incorrectly. Okay, it's more important. This is what's unpopular. It's more important for you to keep that authority line established than for you to fix that one slight. Here's what I mean. I think the reason why a lot of times kids are rebellious towards teachers, if I just talk from a school setting, I won't talk from a parent setting because my kids are younger, uh, is because when they go home, oh, I got this detention or whatever, the parent will very, very quickly trash talk the teacher, right? Or trash talk the school or principal or wherever that came from in defense of their child. However, the only thing they're, they're teaching their child is to tear down or to judge or question or whatever else any authority in their life. Does that make sense? And so if you see something that you have a question about, okay, don't say anything to the child at that moment. I'll look into it. Well, we'll see. Here's what my parents used to say. Well, have you ever done anything that you didn't get caught for? Okay, well, this is karma, right? Okay. But what they wouldn't do is they wouldn't take the opportunity to trash that authority in my life. Why? Because I need that authority in my life in order to respect and to be pleasing to God. Now, I'm not talking about if anything illegal or, or wrong or morally wrong is happening. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just normal stuff that will happen. Teachers will be wrong. They're humans, okay? Uh, preachers will be wrong. They're humans. Parents will be wrong. They're humans. Adults will be wrong. They're humans, okay? So just tell your child, well, you know, I can look into that, but let's not, let's not act that we're not, not, not judge that or whatever else. Then you can go have a conversation if you want to with the teacher, okay? Maybe you find out your kid wasn't 100% truthful in that. Ever found that out before, right? Sometimes it happens, right? Maybe you find out it's 50-50. Maybe you find out it was completely untrue. But it's better for you to hold that line on authority because, by the way, you're an authority in their life. When you tear down authorities in your kid's life, you're tearing down all authorities in their life. That's why I talk about this. Don't move to that buddy relationship just because your girl turned 13 or 14 because you still need that authority card in her life Okay, because that's where God has placed you. You get to have that awesome buddy card and go out to lunch and share all these great experiences, whatever, 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 when she's 19 and 20 and 21 and all those other things if you won't turn it in too early. Because once they've taken down every authority in their life, do you know who's the last one that they're going to come to to tear down? You, right? Well, and then God, yeah. Sometimes they tear down God for you, whatever else. But eventually... You're going to come down to, even though you've played favors for them, even you've done all these other things, man, I've been their buddy. We've been best friends since they were 12. Yeah, but at the end, they're still going to see authorities in the light that you don't want to, dis- 
uh, you don't want uh, them to see. And I know that's not, not popular, um, but I believe that it's right. Um, oops, uh, a child who, whose excuses are routinely accepted develops a uh, victim mentality, eventually believing nothing is ever his fault. Now, none of us want our kids to have a victim mentality because we know where that will lead and it doesn't help them to get ahead, right? And so we don't want those things. Next, parents who do not want to think badly of their children may make uh, up an excuse for them. Now, typically the reason why, in, in my observational experience, typically the reason why parents make up excuses for their kids is because they don't want to look bad in front of other parents or to another adult, right? So that's why we'd make excuses. Um, but obviously it's more important for us to establish right priorities in our kids' lives than for us to always look good in front of other people. Anton? We missed miss B. B, uh, accepted. Uh, disobedience. disobedience. Sorry, guys. You got him? And you're like, and I got a broken hand. No, well, it's the wrong, it's the wrong hand, so. All right, C. Um, parents, oh, no, I'm sorry. We did that one, sorry. D. D here. Never confront a child for misbehavior by immediately asking, why did you do it? Why did you do it? The reason would simply be this. Is it obvious? Well, you know, I was just having a bad day. Okay. <coughs> this happens quite often with little kids, right? Um, they'll bring their kid to school or whatever else. <sighs> oh, you know, sorry. Uh, they're just a little cranky this morning. Oh, you know what? Sorry. They, you know, we had a bad morning. Oh, sorry. You know, they just, they just didn't get a lot of sleep. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, you know, it was a little bumpy on the way over here. Oh, sorry. You know, we hit three red lights. Oh, sorry. We, you know, he, I think he's not feeling really well. So we learned from a pretty young age to skip embarrassment for, for poor training. Not always, but sometimes, okay? Sometimes kids are sick, I get that. But we skip the embarrassment for poor training by just saying, oh, well, you know what, they've got, and it's like, well, it's weird, you know, 75% of the time, you know, your, your kid had a bad start to the day. You know, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, but we kind of, that will make us an exception. And if I'm an exception, then of course, it excuses this behavior right here. Does that make sense? And so hopefully, hopefully that kind of does make sense. Yes, sir. So I got one thing that contradicts the why did you do it uh, portion. And I, I understand what you're saying with older kids, but yep. I think in children, the direct question of why did you do it works and allows them to tell the truth immediately instead of doing it. Because <coughs> my two, three, four-year-olds, <coughs> excuse me, you know, you ask them, you start asking them, like if something happened in the home and someone's crying or something's broken or whatever, and you start asking them the questions like, what happened, oh, it was brother, oh, it was this, I didn't do it. You get all those answers, you get 10, 15, 20 times. But if, I, and I guess as the parent, you have to be more, you have to be confident to know that that would have, would have been the child that did it. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And so instead of blaming them, you give them the opportunity to confess and you can say those questions like, why did you do it? And like Ben, will he'll look him in the eye and go, I'm sorry. And then I ask him to explain it to me and then he explains it to me. So I think as young children, it helps them to immediately tell the truth as opposed to sidestepping. So. Gotcha. Uh, next up on four is um, tricking or manipulating. Tricking or manipulating. And sometimes we, we can trick our kids because we don't want to go through this. Here's what I mean, okay? For example, um, if we'll... All right, so here's a, here's a joke. A couple parents have told me that when the ice cream truck is coming by, they'll say... 
if the ice cream truck is playing music, that means that he's already run out of ice cream. Uh, now, that's, that's funny, I guess, right? Uh, but in a couple of cases, I know they're doing it because they just don't want to tell their kid, like, no, you can't have ice cream today, right? And so sometimes we'll – this is also called lying in some other uh, worlds or whatever, right? Uh, and so I, I get the humor behind some, sometimes teasing different things. But sometimes we just make up something because we don't want to have to deal with the training aspect of those things, obviously, right? Look, at some age, they're going to get like 12 or 13, and their friends are going to tell them like, no, no, the ice cream man does have ice cream. And so then it's going to come back to bite you so that you can only keep up that ruse for so long, right? Uh, next, creating games to foster uh, creating games to foster obedience. Now, here's, let me give the disclaimer on this. Games can be great for training, and we, all that other, and we do that stuff as well. And so what this is talking about here is, is that you shouldn't have to, in every case, all the time, always make obedience a game, okay? Because there's a lot of times where obedience is important, and it's, it's, you know, it's not a game and things like that. Uh, but obviously, some of these can, can aid in training, and I get all of that. Uh, next, giving, giving them choices. Give them choices, okay? There are some things that it's just you just got to do them, okay? Um, I know that there's, there's probably – it wouldn't happen in this class, but there, there are certain – you know, kids in our community and stuff like that would be truant because their parents give them choices. Like, oh, I don't really don't want to go to school today. Like, oh, you don't? You feeling kind of feeling bad? Okay, well, and, and obviously that's not going to help them with attendance records at work and so on and so forth. You understand. Next, um, distracting, distracting. Here's what we mean. We'll just say, hey, well, look over here instead, look over here instead, look over here instead because uh, we don't want them to see, you know, the ice cream truck or whatever else. Next up, diverting their attention. That would be what I just discussed. And then lastly, offering a toy or treat to distract them. Offering a toy or treat to distract them. Now, there's a lot of things that are helpful in training and teaching and training. Uh, games, right? Using a timer for things. All of those things are helpful and, and creative. Um, however, the point and the, the thrust of the, of the lesson and teaching would just be make sure that you are taking the time to uh, establish good behavior based on the fact that from Ephesians, from Ephesians 6, 1, that it's just, it's right. It's right to do right. Now, obviously there are some good rewards for doing right. And that's what we talked about, the difference between bribing. We don't want to bribe, but rewarding is great. And um, a lot of times there's, I think there's several parents in here that you're very good at that and establishing systems for them to do uh, tasks and then get rewarded for that. And I'm all for that because they should see the joys of joyfully serving you and serving the Lord. And all those things are really, really good. Um, but let's make sure that we're leading uh, in helping our kids to be obedient uh, because one day they'll take that obedience out into the real world. Donnell. Yes. Um, kind of along the same line as Bill, but uh, have them repeat it back to you what you said because a lot of times until a child reaches like eight, nine, ten years old, you don't know if they have learning challenges. And I have a son that if you just tell him something, it, it's not going to stick in his head unless he repeats it back to you. And so we, we ended up giving a lot of spankings that were not necessary really because we didn't understand the problem, and it was because of their age. So a good habit to get into is have that child, any child, repeat it back to you until you kind of, they're older and you can kind of tell. Okay. All right. Good deal. Okay. Uh, sorry for the lateness of the hour, guys. I apologize. Um, if you can, get signed up.